Hello, story lovers. On this week's episode, I have Joanna Pickering, who's a wonderful playwright. She has such a great story. She went from growing up in England to traveling the world to selling yachts in the south of France to realizing that she wanted to um, pursue acting. And her acting led her to writing. And we'll hear her story today. But one thing that I find particularly interesting about Joanna's story is that as a fairly new writer, she won a screen craft competition. And from the screen craft competition, she was signed by Three Arts Entertainment and got an agent. And I thought this would be a great episode to really explore the question do you need an agent? Do you need a manager? What do they do? How do you get one? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, this is a big question. So many um, writers jump in and think that they're not going to be legitimate until they get signed, until they get repped, right? Um, and while, uh, while sure, a part of that is true. It's a rite of passage to gain representation. And it's certainly harder to gain representation in literary than it is in talent. It's hard to get an agent as an actor. It sure is. But it's even harder to get signed by an agent as a writer. And um, let me give you a little overview in general. First, so um, a manager, the difference between a manager and an agent, right? Um, an agent does contracts, period. That's it. An agent does contracts. <laughs> an agent does contracts. An agent negotiates business deals. An agent does not care about your headshots. An agent does not want to know about your personal life. Um, the thing that an agent does have um, a lot of times, hopefully, is connections, connections to jobs. So, um, if there is a staff writing job, all the big agencies will know about it and they will be solicited for their writers. So it is um, about connections as well in terms of what they can do for you. They can negotiate your contracts and they can get you connections to jobs that you might not other otherwise know about. Are they valuable? Absolutely. Should you have one? Yes. Should you not write until you get an agent? Absolutely not. Could you say that you're not a real writer until you get an agent? No. A real writer is someone who writes. If you get to your desk every day and you write, you're a writer, whether you're repped or not. Managers, on the other hand, are more hands-on. You have a problem on set. You can call your manager. You have, you have to get new headshots. Talking about headshots, your manager will be more hands-on in, in helping you choose which different looks you need for your character type, for who you're going to go out for. What kind of jobs do you book? Those are the kinds of headshots you should take. And these are the kinds of conversations you would have with your manager. A um, little more personable. This does not mean that your manager is your nanny or your personal schedule keeper, or, you know, your, your all around butler that you can call for anything you want. That, that is not what a manager does or should do or should have to do. So um, if you are an actor who's listening, please be nice to your reps, to your managers. Please don't call them for the slightest little inconvenience, they have jobs too. If your managers are worth their weight, they're probably very busy 
and you don't want to bother them with every little thing. Is it nice to have a manager? Absolutely. Of course it is. Is it great to have an agent? Sure. But there's one misconception that is brought up in the podcast that I really want to talk about. And that is the idea. And, 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 and I will say this because I fell into this trap. Uh, there's this idea that an agent will get you work, right? If I get an agent, I will get work. Now, what did I say? I said that if staff writing jobs go out, the biggest agencies will know about it and you'll have a connection to possibly get hired. Yes, that's true. That's true. But you, as a writer, your currency, your value as an artist, as an artisan, as a craftsman, right, comes from your work that you are doing every day. So regardless of whether or not an agent is going to get you paid for something, right, when you first start out, you need to be writing, 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 writing. If you're out there looking to get signed by representation and you've only written one script, you might be jumping the gun a little bit because what's going to happen is you're going to sit down with reps and they're going to say, so what do you have? What, what's your style? What do you write like? You know, how can uh, they, they need to know who you are as a writer so that they know how to sell you? Well, if you don't know who you are as a writer, they can't sell you either. And if you've only written one script, there's a good chance that you probably don't quite know yet what your voice is or who you are as a writer. And more importantly, most importantly, the thing that I continue to hammer home here on the Story Love podcast is that you need to be writing. A writer writes. A writer's not waiting to get paid to write. A writer's writing. And by writing, you find out what your rhythm is, right? You find out what the rhythm is for you to be productive. What is your ritual as a writer? If you've only written one screenplay, you probably don't know that well yet. You're not a well-oiled machine that if you get a job that you know you're going to be able to deliver it because you know what your process is, because you know what the rhythm is that you need to be in to be able to be creatively productive. I hope that this is becoming clear. That writing really is a ritual. And if you want to sit down and be able to write every day, you have to sit down and write every day. And a lot of times, you know, we have this um, fantasy about what writing is and what a writer is. Um, when you start getting paid to be a writer, it makes writing very different. It's no longer this romantic thing anymore. It's a job. And, and that, that's, that hurts a little bit, you know, for some of us who have this romantic ideal about what our writing is and what we're going to do with our writing. And then, you know, we realize we're just getting paid to give our writing away and we feel a certain type of way about that. Right. Um, but that's the, that's, that's, that's the facts. I guess what you really have to ask yourself, and I should have started the whole podcast with this question, because just like before you Google how to write a screenplay, you have to ask why you're writing a screenplay and what kind of screenwriter you want to be. You have to ask yourself what kind of writer you want to be. 
do you want to write to make money? Or do you want to write your projects that you will fund low budget on your own and not rely on people to give you money and you are going to make money some other way until your films can create their own revenue? And yet, if that's your plan, you're still going to have to write movies for money eventually. Unless you don't need to make money and you are going to remain a nomadic artist, bohemian, that only writes small little pieces and theater and God bless theater and and, and I'm all for theater and, and theater's our home. It's where we replenish. It's where we go back to rebirth ourselves into the craft of what we actually do. But if you're planning on being a screenwriter, you're going to need to understand that it is a grueling job that takes a lot of work and a lot of time, right? And it's it's very rewarding. And I would rather sit at a desk and write than do anything else. And I'm grateful for every single job I get because you never know where the next one is coming from or how. You want someone to sell you as a screenwriter. You have to prove yourself as a screenwriter. And that means you have to have written more than one script to prove that you can do it more than once. You should have multiple different types of scripts. You should have stage plays, pilots, screenplays. How many have you written? How many do you got? Can you prove yourself? Can you prove your worth? Are you ready? Are you ready to be repped? Not everybody's ready to be repped. We all have to start at the bottom of the ladder. We have to learn how to write. We have to learn the skill of writing. But most importantly, we have to learn what kind of writer we are. What kind of writer are you? The only way that you find that out is by writing. So I just wanted to um, debunk these myths that, you know, you have to be repped. You're not worth anything if you're not repped. Getting repped is a rite of passage, but it shouldn't stop you from writing and you shouldn't wait to get paid to write. That's not why we write. God bless us if we have paid writing jobs, but we should always have our passion projects. You should always be working on your passion project. The thing that sparks your creative energy, the thing that you you want to write, the thing that when you're done writing what you have to write, you then pull up your document and work on what you want to be writing. You know, what, what when when screenwriting becomes your day job, that's that's a wacky world. I'll tell you that. when you work all day on somebody else's screenplay and then you close down one document and then open another document that you're not getting paid to write. And that's the thing you really want to get made. That's a world that's a little bit upside down, you know? Um, Again, um, I'm always grateful for, for any paid writing gig I get, but it's a job. And if you want to be repped, you better prove that you can do that job. So before you start wondering how to get repped, start figuring out what kind of writer you are so that when you sit down with agents or managers, right, the question is how, not how are you going to get me the a job? That's not it. 
The question is, here are the five projects that I have been cultivating for these past years while I've been growing as a writer. I have this comedy. I have this horror. I have this dramedy. These are the ones I really believe in. I would love to find a way to get these produced. And here's a sample of a show, you know, and then also this, this script that I wrote that I love is really matching the style of this TV show. So we could use this as a sample to help me get staffed on that job. So all of these things that I have done for myself, I just need a conduit to get me to the other side, right? You're, I understand you're not handing me anything. You're not opening some gateway that all of a sudden, then I'm going to write a bunch of projects. No, I'm coming to you with the stuff that I've created for myself, Now, how can you help me get my projects made is the mindset. Then there's the question of, should you be repped by big agencies or should you get repped by small boutique agencies, management companies? What kind of agent do you sign with, right? Well, most likely... Like I said, getting repped is a rite of passage, right? So when you first get repped, you'll probably get repped by a boutique agency. Probably. I mean, who knows? Everybody's trajectory is different. You know, um, there's this dream out there that um, you're going to get discovered overnight and you're going to be an overnight success. And and I just want to say that um, being an overnight success has a lot of downfalls, you you know the 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 midwestern actress who gets discovered as a waitress and all of a sudden she's a star she, that is not what anybody should ever want because you get thrown into this pool of sharks without having learned how to swim you are in big trouble <laughs> this is a tough business you need to cut your teeth a little bit before you get you know thrown into any fire being considered some kind of star or genius. You write one script and it and it sells and wins an Oscar. You know what's going to happen if you don't know what kind of writer you are? You're going to, that's a fluke. You're going to say, oh, that's a fluke. I'll never be able to do that again. And then uh, it's really going to mess with your head. So nobody should be uh, hoping for overnight success or to write their first screenplay and have it, and have it be brilliant. That's not what you want. You want to grow. You want to grow so that when the time comes, you're ready. You have two feet on the ground. You've got your muscles built up. You know what kind of writer you are. You have the answers. You're solid. You're not someone who gets plucked off a bus and shot into stardom, right? You started a boutique agency. You started a boutique management company, right? There's only one question that you have to ask yourself, and this is, regardless of the size, the name, the location, not what the only thing that matters is this. Are you and your reps speaking the same language? Are they helping you? Are they, are they working with you? Right? Let's say, let's say you've, you're with a management company and you haven't had an audition in a year. Kind of point your finger and point your finger at your manager, that's fine. Have you gotten new headshots? Are you taking your classes? Or what studying are you doing? Are you waiting around for them to get you an audition? Or are you uh, um, auditioning for student films? Because actors, you need to be doing student films. If you have no, if you have no reel, if you have no tape, you need, you need experience. 
So what are you doing in the meantime while you're waiting for your reps to get you jobs? That's what I say to actors. Well, I say the same things to writers. So are you speaking the same language as your management? Are you on the same page about where you see your career going? And do you feel like they're supporting you? If the answer is yes, then stay with those people forever. So many times I see people think that they have to jump to the big five or the big six, whatever it is, agencies. And then they get there and they are a minnow in a giant sea of big fish. And they get totally lost and there's nobody looking out for them. And now they've left the people who, did, who were looking out for them. I promise you this, if you're an artist, actor, writer, dancer, whatever you are, if you are a performance artist, if you're working your craft every day and getting better and better and better and better every day and working at it until you write your scripts and you feel good about them, you will create your own momentum and things will start to happen and the jobs will find you. If you just keep at it, no agent or manager is going to walk in and open a magic door and say, here you go. If you haven't already put the work in. So really it's a matter of really, it's a matter of being ready when the opportunity presents itself. So, yeah. So what, uh, before I bring Joanna in, just want to leave you with that thought. Are you ready to be repped? If the answer is no, the answer is no. And that's, it's much better to say to yourself, I'm not ready yet. I still have to work and figure out what my process is, who I am as a writer, what my voice is so that I know how to sell myself. I know the kind of jobs that I will succeed at. I know what I'm good at. I know what I can do. Let me tell you what I can do so that you can then sell me. If you're not there yet, then there's no reason for you to feel bad about not being, not being repped. And that's all for me today, story lovers. Let's welcome Joanna Pickering, um, a wonderful playwright, actress, um, ex-yacht salesman <laughs> to, uh, to Story Love. My guest today is Joanna Pickering, and I'm so happy to have her with me because we are a dynamic <laughs> duo. Are we not, Joanna it. Pickering? <laughs> so it must be true. <laughs> We are a dynamic duo. Joanna comes to us. Well, you tell us, Joanna. I, I'm just so always enamored by your work ethic and your um, ability to just show up, take notes, rewrite, keep writing, make sure you're getting it right while dealing with the madness of the world that's around you and your background and what you're dealing with, always juggling so many balls at once. So tell us, tell us who you are, what you do and how you do it. <laughs> That's so sweet. Thank you. And by the way, it's your notes. They're very good. So I really enjoy rewriting them. Um, so I was, well, firstly, I did a mathematics degree and was academic background. And then I took a complete U-turn and went into performing arts, uh, really to, to, I was a little shy and I thought some acting lessons might help that. And of course, me being me went totally into it and made a lot of independent films and from that, I wanted to write stronger female roles, and I started writing. Um, wow. And, yeah, mainly, as you know, in theatre is where I began, and then working into writing for screen. Um, so my first uh, debut play was a one-act play, as you know, Beach Break, and that was with a um, 
theatre company called Primitive Grace, and that performed at the Duande um, readings and started to get a buzz about it, which gave me the confidence to keep writing. And then, of course, I was very lucky. Um, I think Paul Haggis referred me and I met you and Bobby Moresco at the gym and so many creative writers, you know, and it's tough. Um, and it's also very wonderful environment, very safe environment. So from there, I had the confidence, but also the constructive feedback to do as you say to go rewrite and keep writing um and from that gained a lot of scholarships fellowships and with three arts entertainment <laughs> still got it all to prove but I'm writing away so tell me now you submitted your script to Screencraft. yeah it, it was well it was all part of it I think these things when they happen it's about being in the right place at the right time it's about being ready when you get that opportunity um now, ready doesn't mean that you have to have done everything, but you need to know where you want to be um, and be confident in saying what you want and where you see yourself even in five years' time. So when, so it was a combination that my play was a finalist with ScreenCraft, um, and then I sort of ran with that, um, and I managed to get an opportunity to pitch to Three Arts before I was properly ready, um, but I was very confident um, I sold myself very well in the sense that, look, this is what I see. This is what I'm doing. And this is where I want to be in five years. I think I even had a plan for 10 years. And basically, I put them in a corner that, you know, what have they got to lose by representing me? That's great. And and um, that kind of belief in yourself is something that people do do lack. You know, I mean, what I'm hearing from you is, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody's going to believe in you, right? So you're not going to go into the agent's office and have them tell you why you're so great. <laughs> you know, um, I think we get it backwards as artists where we don't realize that our, our work ethic is the commodity. They're not, they're not doing the work we are and they need us more than we need them. And, and they're a conduit to helping us. And so, so many um, writers sit back and say, when I get an agent, I'll get work. And that's not how it works. You're working anyway, right? You, what are you writing anyway? What are you writing? So, um, so that's great. I, I, you know, I think it's also probably a little bit of your math background that gives you the idea of said, I solved that problem where, okay, what's the equation? Let me fill in the blanks. Here's how I solve it. <laughs> it's all fabulous. But Amanda was my first female director and it was a joy and it worked very well. And also working out little plot things, you don't let me off on anything. <laughs> I can remember now, what was she doing on day three of this trip? I'm like, really? <laughs> At what point when, you know, so you're studying to be an actor and then all of a sudden you say, you know what, I'm going to write my own stuff. And at what was the moment that you thought, I like this, I want to keep doing this, you know, as, as a writer? Uh, the first time I heard actors stand on stage and 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 do what I do do as an actor, and you know I had, I so I was very blessed that Paul Calderon invited me into his theatre company based on my acting, and they had a submission deadline for writing, and I just thought you know what I'll enter this. There's no harm. It's a small theatre. They were saying they didn't have many writers, and it got picked, and then I was like, oh Christ, <laughs> I didn't expect this, and. So started the absolute hell of rewriting for a performance without any experience. I hadn't had one writing lesson, anything, nothing. I hadn't gone to any of these masterclasses or anything. And rewriting is horrendous, you know, and I was lost in it. I was getting notes. I didn't know why I was getting the notes because I wasn't experienced. 
Um, so really, it should have made me give up. But the moment actors stood on stage and said the lines with the, the you know, the blessing that actors give us with that commitment in character. And I just left my sort of sensitive psyche and ego and just I was I was sold. I was like, yeah, it works. Okay, so now here you are. You've won a bunch of different contests. You have um, a, a bunch of different work that's just such beautiful writing. You you know who you are as a writer, right? If you go back and you look at the girl who's selling yachts in the south of France, right? What do you whisper in her ear and say, hey, just know this. Just if you know one thing, know this. <laughs> I would have said if you could maybe go out five nights a week and just stay in two nights and do some writing, this would have gone a lot quicker. But then I wouldn't have the then I wouldn't have the material. So it, it is what it is of the world. I've lived in, uh, you know, South America, Morocco, Scandinavia, all when I should have been staying in doing the, the sort of writing work. But it's it is all the stories. I mean, you know, Beach Break. That's a story about travel. Um, the TV pilot I've just finished that's set in Asia, and I actually drew um, it, it's a it's a protest and a riot in 1930s, um, the Japanese civil war in Morocco. Um, I got I got terrible experience. I was trapped in a building while that sort of all kicked off, and you know that's just lifted straight into this screenplay. And I can write about 1930s, you know that as people were trying to evacuate and get and get out of the country i could i could write that so yeah the the, the traveling and the journeying and the nomadic lifestyle i really feel that it is all part of the creative writing journey but that's the truth isn't it that's the truth sometimes you know you got to you got to live in order to write absolutely what's the biggest lesson you've learned as a writer you think as a writer oh wow that's a really hard question and um, the biggest lesson, I, I guess it's literally that to lose that fear to sit down and create a first draft, um, you know, just to sit down and write something from nothing um, and just keep at the desk until you're at the end and to be OK that it's absolutely terrible. So I think the biggest lesson is losing the need to create something great or perfect you know, in the first couple of drafts, just get something out because then you've got something to play with, you know, and then suddenly you've got an actor saying, I'll read it. And then you're like, oh shit, now I need to make it good. But you're working on something. It's there. Your end of your first draft is often the key to the beginning of your next draft. And I've, I've had a lot of um, wonderful writers tell me that. And I, I've found that when you get your ending to your, to whichever draft it is, then you can go back and really write the next draft. So you, you kind of do know, need to know where you're going, but it's all right to just get there. I love that. I love that. You know, writing is a layering process. You're never going to write the last draft first. I just posted that on Instagram today. It's funny you should say that. You've got to write the first draft first and then layer and revise and revise and revise. And you, you can't skip it. What, do you, what would you say? You know, I like to do this good, the bad, and the crazy, right? So, so what, what would you say is the craziest thing that's happened to you since, you know, Coming into the entertainment business, how about that? The craziest thing that's happened to me. <laughs> I'd have to keep that from my screenplays, Amanda. I'm not telling you. <laughs> I mean, in, in in a more negative crazy, obviously yeah. the, the year of the pandemic for artists last year was just crazy. You know, I had to, I was displaced. I had to change homes. Um, and what was crazy was that everyone was telling me to go back to Europe where I would have been with family, but it meant that I probably wouldn't be able to continue back into America and keep my career going. And I, I did 
yachts, but you know, it, it all worked out. Well, you know what? You give up selling yachts to go to Hollywood. You must really want it, right? Well, listen, um, I know that you have to run because you have people reading your stuff again tonight. But uh, I'm so glad you got to pop in and we could chat and, and connect. Uh, thanks, Joanna.